This is Giants Amongst Us. And we're back. After what seems to be a long hiatus, 40 days and 40 nights in complete darkness, right through the wilderness. But hey, coming out a better man. (laughs) No, really, but it has been a minute. And first off, I hope everybody is in good spirits. I'm happy, I'm excited to have the lights turned back on. And we're gonna get back to the beeswax. What's with the lights being turned off anyways? I mean, you just started this show. Touche, that's a fact. I did just start the show. And that was all me, that was my doing. I went radio silent. I took a break from social media, didn't say anything. I wasn't checking my emails. I haven't checked my emails. I'm going to get back to all of that now. I wasn't doing anything pertaining to creating new episodes and publishing new episodes. I got so tied up, so focused on wanting to create a website, wanting to have something that is owned and controlled by giants amongst us. Because I'm sure a lot of you already know that although the Instagrams and the YouTubes and the Facebooks, they're cool, but the content isn't yours. All of that information, everything that you put into that channel or that profile, one flip of the switch, the people behind it can wipe it clean and turn it to dust. So I wanted to have a a home and a, a place for Giants Amongst Us where people can stop by, check it out, a hosting website, and also a website where you'll find information on past shows, past guests. You can even subscribe, as a matter of fact, to the podcast and to the show so you'll be notified every time a new episode is released. Don't worry, I'm not going to spam you. And we're pretty much going to stick to the script anyhow, where a story will be released every other Sunday now that we're back on track. So stop by and say hi. It's as easy as typing in giantsamongstus.com. You'll find all of the past stories. You'll find information on, on the guests, things that they're involved in, projects that they're working on, ways to contact them or reach out to them if you so choose. I'm pleased and happy to finally have that sorted out. So now you all know where else to find us. That Giants Amongst Us has a home and it's as easy as typing in giantsamongstus.com. And there's also those of you who, before my radio code silence, were game enough, you were courageous enough, you were open enough to share your story with me. We had a conversation and you shared your story and they were supposed to go out at a certain time and they failed to reach or to meet their deadline. So my apologies for the wait, for the lack of communication, but I'm happy to finally get back in the swing of things and to be able to share these stories and put this out into the ether, share it with the rest of the world, with our listeners, with everybody who has been interested and into the unique human experience that has been here on Giants Amongst Us. And one of those stories I have for you today, it comes from John. John's a quadriplegic. He goes by the name Grateful Quad. And get this. He's 100% grateful that it came out that way. When I first read that, I was like, what? How can you be grateful for that? 
You see, after getting in an accident that almost took his life and being the way that he was before the accident, having the opportunity to wake up, never mind the fact that he was paralyzed from the neck down, but to be able to wake up, he's grateful, he's thankful, and he's in love with every waking moment. That right there is a feat in itself. We weren't able to get on the same line together and have a conversation, but John was all in. He was happy, he was excited to share his story, and so what we did, or what he did, was he recorded himself. How he was as a kid, how he was as an adult, his life before the accident, and his life after the accident, nowadays. So without further ado, I'm going to let John, in his own words, share some of his life and his story with us today. Ladies and gentlemen, this is John. Hey everyone. And his story. My name is John. I am known as the Grateful Father. Almost 16 years ago, I was born. Um, yeah, I believe July 9th, 2007, John died. And about six or eight years later, the Grateful Quad woke up. I am grateful to be paralyzed because I was a deadbeat dad, horrible brother, well, Harwood. I wasn't at all what I am now, but um, and Harwood's son, and I now have a relationship with my children, my parents, and my brother, and sister, and sister. Yeah, that, that's why, that's why I'm grateful because I've gotten nothing but positivity from this, from breaking my neck. The amount of positivity. I have gained because of it is immense. When I was first hurt, I've always called this my hard reset. It was always considered to be my second chance. My second chance to do things the way I should have in the first place. And I've, from the beginning, taken 100% responsibility because um, I was a crackhead before my accident. From the time I was 15 years old until I was 34 when the accident happened, I, um, the only thing I was concerned about was girl parts. That's the way I say, I say vagina. But um, yeah, that's all I cared about. I would do anything I needed to do to get that from whoever I wanted it from. And that controlled my life for 19 years. It's amazing the feeling to know that finally at 49, I control my life. I am in charge of every single thing I do. I do everything with purpose and I don't do things that aren't going to benefit me or benefit someone else. And that's something I can 100% relate to. Being driven by an urge or an impulse, just acting out with no thought about the consequences, whether it's good, whether it's harmful, but seeking that instant gratification. That's that microwave dinner mentality. It's tasteless, lacking any real nutrients and flavor. It was sheer nice to hear that. John talk about how later on in life, he started to do things with the purpose, things that he thought would be more meaningful to himself and to the people around him. That was what he called his hard reset. 
that time when his perspective completely changed. Let's listen to John talk a little bit about how it was for him growing up as a child. I am from South Florida, Fort Lauderdale area. I was born in Plantation. Um, we lived in Sunrise for, oh gosh, 14 years. And then um, I moved up here to uh, to Central, Central Florida. So yeah, ever since I've moved from South Florida to Central Florida, um, I've been in the woods and we've always had property and it was fantastic. I mean, I was born in 73, so I am Gen X and thankfully I was alive when there wasn't cell phones and there wasn't any way to get a hold of you other than your house phone. I wish it was like all like that now, but hey, it's it's not. Yeah, childhood memory. My parents and another couple. I forget who I forget who it was, but we went to um, a place where we were camping, and um, I'm not sure what it's called. Anyway, we rented canoes, and it was me, my brother, my mother, and I believe my sister was was there also. I really I think so. Um, but she was like two. Anyway, my mother is not the best canoeist. <laughs> so um, my father, being, being the, the man and being the um, experienced canoeist, he, he's like, all day, we, all we heard was left Betty, right Betty, left Betty, right, because that she needed to know what side he was on so we didn't go in circles. And... One thing I remember is we're coming towards um, a couple of trees and he is frantically left a right, left a letter. I right, right, tell him where to paddle. And um, yeah, so we, we, ran into, we ran into a big clump of trees and uh, it, we, we still give my mother a hard time about that. <laughs> left bay, right, right, Betty. <laughs> <laughs> the golden years. Those sweet, wholesome, loving memories. But coming up, John also had those vices, the urge, that impulse that seemed to be out of his control and pretty much consuming his time and energy. Ever since I was three years old, my mother knew I was going to be a ladies' man. From the time I was, like I said, three years old until the time I was 15 when I had my first sexual experience, um, she broke my heart and I vowed to never, never let anybody break my heart again. So I became an heartbreaker. And, um, yeah, so I, when I was in high school, when I was in high, in high school, um, I was a really good looking guy, I felt. So I took complete advantage of that. And I was probably with close to, close or over 200 girls because I didn't care if it was someone's. So put to put my penis that that I would, and that, that was it. Sorry, I don't know. I don't know if you say that stuff on the radio, but anyway, it was everything. All I was concerned with was that um, I spent all of my teenage years having sex, and most of my adult years, because until I was thirty-four years old, when the accident happened, I was with someone every single day. I would date someone 
and I would, um, before I broke up with them, I would find someone to fill fill the space. So I wasn't the most monogamous person. I was a, a womanizer, basically, pretty much all my life until my accident. So fast forward a few a few years, I was 19 years old, got a job with my uncle. He had a mechanic shop, and he taught me everything I know. I knew nothing when I started working for him. He taught me everything I know. So thankful because I could go anywhere. I, mean, I could uh, couldn't now. When I was walking, I, I could go anywhere and get a job. He was very integral in the things I did in my life, and he really helped me out when I was young and stupid. So I got a job from him, and fast forward a few years, probably 10 years, and a girl had come into the shop, didn't have money, so I offered to do some work on a car after hours, you know, me being the ladies' man at all. Um, so yeah, I was doing some work on a car, and we hit it off. So I'm real bad about I get with somebody and then immediately move in with them just because I didn't want to be anywhere but somewhere other than my house. So I moved in with her and we did it for about six or eight months. And one night we were out and at a, at a bar and she was oddly spending way too much time in the bathroom. And I questioned her why she proceeded to tell me she was doing cocaine with her friends i immediately asked where mine was because ever since i was 15 years old all i've ever been interested in is something to get me messed up as possible i would do pills i would do pretty much anything i needed to do to get me a fuzzy head so we were hanging out and she had a friend he was downstairs in the first apartment in the whole in the complex. And um, he happened to be a crack smoker. Well, I quickly became that as well. He was over one night and said, well, I got I to gotta go outside and smoke. I said, um, you know we smoke in the house, right? He said, not this. Needless to say, I went outside with him, took my first hit. And she was looking through the peephole because she knew what he was going to try to get me to do. And he was, she was right. But um, I told her, I said, listen, I'm either going to do it with you or without you. I really wish you would have said without me because I think it would be a whole lot different. But honestly, I, I'm glad she didn't. I'm glad she, did, she said she would do it with me because I would not be here today doing this or anything, because I would be dead or in jail. So we started smoking crack together. Every single weekend, we spent probably five or 600 bucks. We had a, people, drug friends, came over and we'd get messed up with them and they would give us some of theirs. And we'd give some of, the, some of ours to them. And so we all we were all messed up and one night, I called my father. There was a, a few people, people at the apartment. I said, Dad, listen, 
I can't do this anymore. I want to come home. Well, my father says to me, you're not coming home unless you go to Narcotics Anonymous. So I, I agreed. Because I needed to get out of, out of the situation completely. And I went home. My parents were building their house. I was on the property in a 31-foot travel trailer. I was still smoking crack. Um, still getting it from the same girl and still doing it. So it, it didn't change what I was doing. It just changed location. No, we can't hide from ourselves because everywhere we go, there we are. And John found no matter the location, where he was at, he was still doing the same things. Sometimes we think that in order to shake a habit or a bad situation, we just have to change locations, head for the hills. The grass is greener over there. Sometimes that isn't always the case, especially when the issue hasn't been dealt with. And for John, like he said, him moving, him relocating, it didn't change anything but him still getting high, but just at a different spot. And during this time, John was also in Narcotics Anonymous also for about four or five months and got a job from the guy in the rooms. And I got probably a month after I got the job, I got a motorcycle from my uncle. He had taken it on a tow away and he got the title because, you know, if it's there long enough, you get the title. But anyway, he had, he had it. I bought it, I bought it. And I fixed it up and got it running. And I was dating someone else at the time. And um, she had my car. And I rode my motorcycle to work. Well, that morning, 6.30, I passed. The, I come upon the intersection of 17 and 40 in DeLand, Florida. And there was a tractor trailer on my left side. So in the, in the left turn lane, there was a, a big, huge truck. And the guy across the street didn't see anybody because I'm on a motorcycle. So he bolted across the street to be the light. Well, when he did, I was right there. I was in a coma 26 days at Halifax Hospital. After 26 days, my parents, um, well, I think someone from Shepherd Center came down and evaluated me. They said, yeah, we'll, we'll take them. So the Shepherd Center in Peachtree, Georgia, they came down and you know, I flew all the way to Georgia. And about two weeks after I had been there, they came to my parents and said, hey, he's not responding. So we're going we're to send him home. And my parents said they, they freaked because they're like, they had no idea what to do with me. Later that afternoon, they came back to my parents and said, listen, we're starting a program, and he is the perfect candidate. So they increased all my therapies. I don't remember what I was getting at the time because I was in a coma. Um, and I was in a, sub, in a minimally conscious state for three months. And I started to, to respond and, and did really well. I was there for eight months. Normally, you're there for maybe 30 days. I was there for eight months, and it was fantastic. I had, I like to call them my girls. 
I had about six girls that took care of me. And I'm actually in there, the Shepherd Center in the, in the magazine. It's 16 years old, but um, in, their, in their magazine, they did an article about me um, being in, in that program and how well it did and stuff. But yeah, anyway, so I went home. I was home about, oh, two or three years. Um, it was 2010. So I found a company that they helped paralyzed people get stuff. And they ended up building a room in my parents' garage for me. Yeah, it's, it's evolved since then. It's a really, really great space. So, yeah, I am 100% at fault for my accident because any way you look at it, if I never got involved with crack, I wouldn't have been where I was to have the accident happen. There's no way I, I would have been still a mechanic. Wouldn't have lost my job. So, yeah. Wow. Talk about taking accountability for your actions. That could have been handled in a lot of different ways. John could have been bitter, angry, pissed off, screaming F the world, you know, why me? But he really took the time and reflected on the whole situation, thinking to himself, it's my fault. I did this to myself. My actions, my behaviors, my habits, the things that I was involved with put me in that situation. Had I not gone that route, I probably wouldn't have been at that intersection at that point in time. Man, that takes balls. That takes courage to be fully responsible for your actions and everything that follows. Because ultimately, with every action, there's a consequence, good or bad. And I thought to myself after hearing that, would I have dealt with it? Would I have handled it the same way? Or would I have played the victim and blamed everybody and everything but myself? I really don't know. But John, for a lack of better words, you took it on the chin like a champ. Yeah, it's 100% my fault. And if you really want to really be truthful about it, I asked for it. Because I moved back to my parents' house, and my, my father and I were, were building the, finishing, finishing the house. So I was on, on, the, on the property where the house was being built in a travel trailer, and I was sitting in the dining area of the travel trailer, and I said out loud, I wish I could sit on my ass and do nothing for the rest of my life and get paid. And I'm sitting on my ass doing nothing for the rest of my life, getting paid. So I think what you want, I truly think it was completely manifest in my life. Uh, I'm, I'm happy. And you know, it's, 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 it's not what I wanted, but it is what I wanted. It's exactly what I wanted. And I learned nothing is more important than your time. I made a video. I said, you're just got diagnosed with stage four cancer. How valuable do you think 24 hours is going to be for you? And that's it. It's your time. So many people don't pay attention to what they're doing with their time. And it's just passing by. It's just, it keeps on going. Whether you pay attention to it or not. It keeps on going. 
I just, I don't understand why we don't have a party every freaking day because we woke up and I woke up. I, I love that fact. I love the fact that I was able to live in a quarter of an inch in any direction and I would be either on a ventilator, unable to speak, or dead. And if the accident didn't happen, I would have uh, probably not have stopped doing drugs and I'd either be dead in some ditch or in jail. So, yeah. My perspective on life has changed drastically. When I was walking, I had an easy time getting pretty much anything I wanted. I was, I was a mechanic. I could literally go anywhere and work because I was, I was, I was that good of a mechanic. mechanic. I, was, I was a mechanic. I worked on 18-wheelers down to Hondas. Well, I worked on motorcycles too, but um, down from Hondas to 18-wheelers. And, um, yeah, just, it was awesome. I love the job. And I know what happened is my fault, 100%, all day long. And it's given me, I think, accepting it for what it was, for what it is, has made it easier because I, I know it's 100% my fault. But anyway, um, helpful words for anyone. It's not the end, not at all. It is uh, uh, me personally, for me, and not for anyone else. It is the best time of my life because I'm clear-headed. I know exactly what I'm doing every single day, and I love it. I drive myself wherever I want to go every single day. I drive myself around. It's awesome. Went to my chair, my will, my wheelchair to lose six miles an hour, and it doesn't sound fast in a car. You know, as big as this wheelchair is, six miles an hour is fast. It feels really fast. Um, yeah, and it's it's fun. It's, I don't have the oh crap, I can't do that because because when I'm in a wheelchair, I don't really care. I I don't I don't miss it. I don't miss stuff that I can't do. I made a video. I it, it said. I don't consider myself disabled. I'm unable. I'm unable to do things. I'm unable to play trumpet. I'm unable to walk a tightrope. I'm unable to jump in bed when I, whenever I want to. I don't care. That stuff is meaningless in the scheme of life. It's it's all it's all perspective. What you care about, what you or what you what you put your emotion into, is everything. You just put your whole self into what you're doing. And if you don't love it, you will not do it for long. Because I've been doing inspirational videos for almost two years now. And if I didn't love it, and if I didn't have the positive feedback from all these people, I don't think I would never, ever keep up. I would never have done it as long I've gotten literally in almost two years three negative comments and I just I love you. I love you. I that's all that's all that's all they got. And it's 
I never heard anything from them again. It's just, you don't have to be afraid of someone that doesn't know you at all. It doesn't have a second in your shoes. does not at all know you from Adam. They can't say anything about you because they don't know you. <laughs> you know, people need to understand if they don't matter to you, like if you're not trying to, to impress them, or if you're not trying to get them to like you or whatever, if they don't matter to you at all, what they say should be less significant. I mean, everyone puts others' opinions on such a high pedestal. And I mean, the only people I care about are my parents, my friends, and my girlfriend. And that's it. You, you, I don't care what you say to me. You can't bother me at all. I just, I don't understand people that get bothered by some douchebag saying blah, blah, blah about you. Who cares? You know, he's, he's, he doesn't feel good about himself. So he's trying to make you not feel good about yourself either. And that's, that's all it is. It's their insecurities coming out in the form of, of negativity. They have no power over you. None whatsoever. If they can't mess up your job or mess up your life in any way other than what they've said, I don't give a shit about them. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't, I don't care about all about them. It's just negative noise. That's all it is. Negative noise. That's all that it is. You're right. And whether we give that negative noise the energy and the time and the attention, that's what's going to give it the power to pull us down and tear us down and split us into a thousand different pieces. What a spirit. What an attitude. John really turned things around to find purpose and to find meaning in life after the accident. Man, that's truly something. I'm, I'm in awe of how much it's, it's beautiful. And I really, I like to think, because now all I put out is positivity. I receive nothing but positive back. I've, I've had so many people ask me, does positive, positivity come back to you? Well, I've received zero amounts of negativity on my YouTube channel, podcast, anything. No one has ever said anything. I, I had like, like four comments in almost two years of doing this. They were really, really stupid. I, I, I don't remember them because they were so stupid. Um, I just, I don't know. Oh, that noise is my timer. It um, I, you know, it goes off every ten minutes to lean back to take the pressure off my bottom. Life is a gift we are given freely every single day. Every single day we wake up, we are given it freely to do whatever we want with it. Be it work, play, swim in the ocean. To jump and jack the rest of your life. I don't know. Whatever you do want to do for your life, you're able to. And we don't celebrate that. It should be celebrated. There's no celebration. Yay, I woke up today. Yay. I'm, I'm excited. I am grateful 
for every day I wake up and I get to experience. I am grateful for that. I, I, I love everything. I love my life. I love people. Some of them suck, but generally speaking, people are awesome. And I tell them every Sunday, you know, if you go to my YouTube channel, The Grateful Quad, every Sunday, all day. But yet, I love being inspirational. I love the fact that I became an instant inspiration. I could have been pissed off. I could have been angry. I could have been disgusted. But I'm not. I, I'm in love with my life. I'm in love with every single part of it. Even the bad stuff, because the bad stuff teaches us what's really good about the good stuff, that there is good stuff. It, it shows us, so we know the difference between bad stuff and good stuff. Don't ever let your time run out without having done something that even you're amazed at. I read a quote the other day. It said, at the end of your life, you don't want to say, Damn, I wish I had done that. You want to say, I can't believe I did that. Yeah, I butchered the crap out of that quote, but hey, that's essentially what it said. Don't regret your life. Don't. Live on purpose. Do everything you want to do. Because you can. Anyway, have a nice day. And please, enjoy the show. And that is the beauty of the human spirit. John is the epitome of perception being everything. It doesn't matter your circumstance. It doesn't matter your situation. What matters is how you perceive it, how you react to it. And John flipped that thing on his head. He's going by the grateful quad. He's 100% grateful for things turning out the way that they did. For him being a quadriplegic, he called it his hard reset, an opportunity to do things the way he should have did them in the first place. You can find him rolling around, smiling and spreading positivity. He goes by the Grateful Quad. He has a YouTube channel. You can find him on Instagram. Um, he pretty much is involved with all the social media platforms and he's, he's spreading his message. He's doing... What brings him joy, he's doing what he finds meaningful. And I'll be leaving all of his links, all of his contacts, ways that you can get in touch with him, ways that you can reach out to him, ways that you can learn more about him or, or hear more of his message and what he has to say. You'll find that information in the description notes. John, you know, he was real happy, excited, and enthusiastic about being able to share his story with those of you listening so thank you very much for sharing your story my man you're definitely a giant amongst us and a big shout out to all the listeners everybody that has been tuned in and plugged into the show wherever you are thank you so much if you find value in it, if you appreciate what's been going on on this side of the curtain, share it with a friend. I still feel like word of mouth is the way to go and organic grow is how we roll. I appreciate you all and we've got more to come. Don't forget the website is up. You can stop by there and say hi. And before I fade out, 
If you would like to be a part of this show and share your story or even the story of someone in your life that has impacted you in a positive way, you could always reach out to me via email. I'd be happy to connect. Until next time, and very soon, peace. Looking for a sign to know I'm on the right road. Ain't seen no sign since.